chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of nations. The people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So today we recognized on this the first Sunday of Advent, uh, this is uh, reflecting on the prophets, and all that they had spoke of Jesus Christ. And just want to reflect on one last verse in Isaiah 61, verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us with this amazing, beautiful day. A day that we can come to you and just lay our burdens down. Lord, we love you so much. And your love is so much greater than what we have for you. It was so great that you sent your only son to die a horrible, horrendous death that we might know life, Lord. Lord, please walk with each of us, not only today, but throughout the week. Help us to look at things as though we were seeing them through the eyes of Christ. Help us to show the world your light, Lord, and your love and your forgiveness. We ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We, uh, we are excited for you to be here today, and we just uh, are, are grateful, so grateful for friends. Amen? Friends are amazing, just amazing. You know, one of the things that uh, we are celebrating, the lighting of the Advent candle, just celebrating Advent, uh, as this is the first Sunday of Advent, Speaking of the prophecy uh, candle and uh, that God uh, prophesied through the prophets that 
of our coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, we, we did put out a request for those families that would love to join us in lighting a candle on the Sunday as the scriptures are being read. And I just want to just let you know, kids, if you want to come, we'll have a flamethrower up there for you to use. So uh, it'll be a little bit more exciting for you. But uh, anyway, uh, if you would love to help in that, that would be great. And uh, just let us know. Uh, let Gail know at our office, and uh, we will put you on the list. So um, I don't know about you, but uh, if you've ever read anything, you're reading along, and all of a sudden the author just kind of transitions into something that makes no sense to you at all. Have you ever read anything like that? You go, what, what in the world was this doing in here? And, uh, and, and, then, and then he just kind of picks up from there and, and moves on. But uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30 are one of those pieces. As you're reading along in Scripture, you'll find this, that, that the Apostle Paul takes this time to mention two of his friends. And I, and I think there's a very important reason, very important lesson for us uh, to, to gather, to glean from this. And uh, so, so Paul is, is in house arrest in Rome, and he is cared for two, by two friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus. These brothers in Christ uh, displayed characteristics that Christians should strive, uh, to, should strive to live out. We should strive to live these every day of our lives. They were sensitive, reliable, and available to serve the Lord by serving others with all humility. So here's the lesson. Even, in a, a, even uh, apparent trivial deeds can have impact for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the word of God encourages you and I uh, to, uh, to affirm you, uh, your ability uh, to, to serve Christ and to serve his people. So in chapters uh, 19, 2, 19 through 30, help us to see two things uh, that just come out of the, just almost the, the mundane. So here it is. The first is partnering with friends in Christ. And the second is the importance of proven worth in the body of Christ. And so let me just begin by reading uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me with the, uh, uh, in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I shortly, that shortly I myself may also come. And so we want to look at five truths of a of a faithful friend today, that I, I think uh, come out of this passage, and and uh, I just want you to to see them, to glean them, to apply them to your lives. So first is a faithful friend will show genuine uh, genuine concern for you both physically and spiritually in verses 19 through 20. I love the phrase proven worth that we find in verse, uh, verse 22. And these, these verses, these five verses, are really about Timothy's worth. Actually, this whole section is about the worth of two men that Paul is sending back to the church at Philippi. If it's not clear to you in the reading of the book of Philippians that, that Timothy uh, is loved by Paul, it would, should be clear to you now. Timothy is, is Paul's go-to guy. 
uh, Paul says that he hopes in the Lord to send him to the Philippians. For Paul, hope is uh, is a joy uh, is a joy bringing thing. When you think about um, the times when uh, the times in your life when you hope for something, you hope that it will bring you joy. You know, it's like I hope I hope that our guests feel welcome today. Maybe maybe you, I hope I hope that I can go to cruisers for lunch today. You know, maybe maybe you're thinking that um, the things that we hope for uh, bring time of rejoicing. So Paul even makes the connection. He hopes that you can, uh, that he can send Timothy so that he can be cheered by news of you. He hopes for joy. He wants news of the Philippian, that the Philippian church is doing well and experiencing the same unity in Christ Jesus that he and Timothy both have. And so this is what he hopes for. So he, he desires to send Timothy and he he understands that Timothy is a friend. Hold on, let me look at my notes here. Is a faithful friend who shows genuine concern both physically and spiritually for them. A, a second, the, a faithful friend will compel you to seek the heart of Jesus. In verse 24, I have no one like him who is genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. So genuinely uh, genuinely caring for the welfare of others. Paul knows that the Philippian church will be blessed by this brother who is genuinely concerned for their welfare. Paul knows it because he has been blessed by it himself. He's got no one else like Timothy because Timothy is his best friend, his most valuable player. On, on, on Paul's ministry team. In fact, we understand from writings in Tim, 2 Timothy chapter 4 that Paul has been abandoned by his friends you, mainly because of his preaching of the gospel has put him in prison. And so people just kind of go hands off and just, uh, just walk away from Paul. And so Paul has been abandoned, but not by Timothy. So Timothy genuinely, honestly, authentically cares for the needs and well-being of those around him because he understands Christ's love for him. He cares, his his care is not selfish ambition veiled as caring for others. Timothy actually loves the church because he loves Jesus who created them and saved them. He doesn't uh, doesn't look out for his own interests, but for the interests of others. And this this is Christ's concern, and Timothy understands it very well. It is the Lord's honor and the Lord is honored when Christ is imitated and followed. And that's what Timothy loves to see. He loves to see a church body imitate Christ Jesus. And he is blessed. Uh, Timothy is honored and blessed when people love Christ more than anything else. In verse 22, we find just the just a real punch that Paul gives here of Timothy's proven worth uh, because Timothy has spent his life for the sake of the gospel. In verse, and, and so third, we find the faithful friend uh, will serve others with compassion. You know, you and I have been called. We've been, we have a call in our lives to be like Timothy and to follow the, 
the, the example of the sent. Uh, your call uh, to bring others to people, uh, your call to bring other people joy, to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, to genuinely be concerned for the welfare of others, to bear one another's burdens, and to fill, fulfill the law of Christ in Galatians 6 2. To be interested in what Christ is interested in and to serve others for the sake of the gospel. So you have to ask yourself, because why should I do this? Why should you give up yourself for Christ and others? And I just want you to know, as Paul has spoken out so, so clearly in this whole book, because of joy, because he can rejoice, because we serve others, because it's having eternal worth and value. We see that. So we've been, we have taught this at EBC. You and I have intrinsic worth and value because we have been created in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We believe that, that God gives every human being worth. So Paul isn't talking about Timothy's proven worth to say whether or not he, his life is of value. He is talking about worth in the same way he did earlier in the letter uh, in chapter 1, verse 26 or 27, when he says, only let your manner uh, of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Our worth, our worth, folks, is following the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself taught in Matthew 23 that the greatest among you shall be your servant. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, uh, Uh, you store up for yourselves treasure. What you store up in, uh, in what you store up for yourselves in treasure in heaven, uh, is is here it is. It's investing in others. That's what matters most to God. That's what matters to to Jesus Christ. That you and I would store up treasure in heaven, and that would be that you and I would give up our life for the sake of others. We need to think about our worth uh, and joy in terms of eternal reward. Worth is important to us. Uh, we search for worth in everything from work, family, possessions, and accomplishments. And the only one that can give you true worth is Jesus Christ. Someone glued my pages together. You know, Jesus gives you and I, uh, he gives us our work, our family, our possessions, and our accomplishments. Our life, the earth and all it contains our mind, the Lord says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. Separated from him, finding worth in those things is called idolatry. So searching for worth in family and friends and possessions and accomplishments are idolatry if that's what we are seeking our worth in. So again, a question that we have to ask ourselves, where are you and I searching for our worth in life? And I just want to answer that, then serve Christ well by serving others well. Paul wraps up his, condom, uh, 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 his, his words to, uh, about Timothy by saying I hope in verse 23, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go for me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. He wants the Philippians to know that he desires to encourage them by being with them. 
and he can't control, but he can't control his own circumstances. And sometimes we know that ourselves. We can't control our own circumstances, but he trusts God to provide. This is a great perspective to have. God, God provides, and Paul knows it, but until God provides or gives Paul the access to go to Philippi, he is going to send Timothy, the worthy one. He is going to send Timothy, who has, has proven worth, and he is going to send Epaphroditus. So look at verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and messenger uh, to my and minister to my needs, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So in these last few verses. We have seen the proven worth of Timothy, and now we see the example of Epaphroditus, a faithful friend. Look at how Paul describes him. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, my messenger you sent to me to minister to my needs, and one who longs to see all of you. This is a quality friend. It is someone that Paul feels great love and respect these aren't just empty compliments. Paul feels strongly about Epaphroditus, and you can imagine that is that is uh, much as he is that as much as he's preparing the Philippians for him. Paul is, is hoping to encourage Epaphroditus himself and sending him. And so, one of the things that we need to look at as we read the scripture, you know, as we read things that we that just don't make sense, is what is this? How does this apply to us? How does how do these encouragements? Uh, uh, apply to you and I. Uh, we are the type of um, the type of Christian that invests uh, our lives in others uh, as Christ did. Uh, if we're the type of Christians that invest our lives as Christ has invested his life in us, then we might be sent out uh, to those with those words. You know, uh, tonight we are we're having a special dinner for Lee and Sawa. Uh, they are our dear friends in Jesus Christ, and they are heading back to Thailand on the first. And uh, and so they they're they're dear friends that we trust that we that we honor them and that we have joined them in the work of the ministry. Uh, and uh, and uh, just just know that uh, that we are excited about sending them. And if if you if you've not got the announcement yet, then that here's your announcement today. Come, uh, there's a dinner I think at five, and there is also. Uh, then fellow workers pouring out time and energy for the gospel. We have fellow soldiers that are willing to do the work. We have messengers ministering to the needs of others, longing for each other. And I, I cannot tell you, it's like Paul gave an announcement about the work that needs to be done in this next week. Folks, we have just seen amazing love poured out in this church by friends, by people working together and fellowshipping together. We saw it on Thanksgiving Day as people came in fellowship. And it was just amazing. We had all this, this work laid out to do. And it was just amazing to me just to watch people come in. Well, what do you want me to do? Boom, it was done. And uh, so we, we came, kitchen crew came in, setup crew came in, done in about 45 minutes or so. It was just done. Cleanup crew came in, 
this, this sanctuary just went back to this. You wouldn't even know people ate in here. So, but they did. It was just an amazing thing just to watch. Folks, that's because of friends like Paul, like Timothy and Epaphroditus, that Paul was willing to send back to the church at Philippi to encourage them to live for Christ and to, to, to hold true to their faith in Jesus Christ. Can we improve? Absolutely. But I want to encourage you that you are like Timothy and Epaphroditus in your proven worth, so much so that it blows me away. You see, verses 26 and 27 are interesting. Look at, into the real life of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was deathly sick. He became sick while he was ministering to Paul. You see, they, you were funded by people from churches who brought money to take care of you when you were in prison. So Epaphroditus would prepare food and bring things to him and serve Paul and just minister to, minister to his physical needs. Well, Epaphroditus got very, very sick, even to the point of death. And the, the Philippian church heard about it, and they were worried. They were concerned about him. They were distressed, it says, because he was deathly sick, near to death. But Paul says, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also on me also, uh, lest he should lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. You know, there's, there's just something that we just need to read into that, that Paul was so, so joyful that God had just poured out his, mer his mercy on Epaphroditus, healing him, restoring his strength and health, and, and allowing Epaphroditus to continue to serve. And now Paul wants to send Epaphroditus back to his home church so that he can let the people know that he's okay, so that he can... Give testimony how God has taken care of him. You know, one of the things we find um, in, in this, this passage, which is very interesting, it's, it's interesting that Paul's the one who said, to die is, to, is, to die is gain. But it was mercy because uh, Epaphroditus uh, loved God and loved to serve God and had found his worth in serving in the church. So God poured out his mercy and healed Epaphroditus. And that is just an incredible testimony that Paul gives. He was making use of his life for the encouragement and the building of the church. God also poured out his mercy on Paul by sparing his, one of his friends' life. Just, it would, it would have been heart-wrenching to read in that passage in, in Philippians that Epaphroditus had died and passed away while serving Paul. And yet we know sometimes that does happen. It really was mercy for the Philippians who were about to rejoice in seeing Epaphroditus again. And Paul knows this. Paul wants his friends at, at the church at Philippi and any church that we need to consider how we send out people. A faithful friend, this is the fifth one, a faithful friend is willing to sacrifice himself in order to sustain you. Verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that you may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men 
for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Paul knows. Paul knows that, that the Philippians will rejoice at receiving one with as much proven worth as Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus has been with them before and has been sent by them, and he has proven his worth and his character to Paul and to the church and to them in person. He has proven his worth. He has walked the walk. He has talked the talk. And Paul encourages the church at Philippi to receive him, which is really receive him in all unity as a brother in Christ, as part of God's eternal family. That is how you and I need to look at people within the body of Christ, that we need to receive them as brothers and sisters in Christ, as part of God's eternal family. And as he is received in the Lord, the church receives him with all joy. You can only imagine the celebration. I, wouldn't this be cool uh, to receive missionaries this way? I, you know, I think of, uh, of uh, this, last, this past summer that Cheryl Mingle came and, and was able to share with us. And uh, um, Cheryl also shared with us that she had lost her husband, Adrian. But she came in, and the body just, it was, we had the picnic, the, the, uh, uh, the call to bring people back into fellowship, and we were sharing, and Cheryl was just there, and, and people just were able to minister to her, and she was able to minister to others. And it was just an amazing thing just to, to, to hear her story. Um, and then just, we had a great party. And... Uh, uh, it was just an amazing, uh, an amazing opportunity to rejoice with her in what was going on back in Nicaragua, and uh, and and we are challenged here by Paul. Treat them uh, in a way that encourages them and and honors Jesus Christ. We need to treat them with joy, in a way that honors Jesus Christ. So Paul tells the church, to honor men such as, as uh, these. And this such as refers to the same as his proven worth, referring to Timothy and Epaphroditus. Such men are full of the Spirit, demonstrating the fruit that encourages and promotes Christ-likeness. So Christians who live in such a way should be honored and they should be received. Epaphroditus especially because he nearly died for the, for the work of Christ, risking his very life to complete what was lacking in the Philippian service to Paul. You see, you, you ever wish that you could go somewhere and help someone, support them, be with them, but you can't? You can't afford to go? Uh, but, they, but the church sends someone there? That's what it's like uh, when Epaphroditus, he did the work that the, the church at Philippi could not do. He came alongside of Paul, and ministered to his physical and spiritual needs and took care of him as a brother. And let's, let's just step back a bit and just look at a, a point here. Doesn't Paul talk about anxious? He says that they were, the, the church at, at Philippi was anxious about him. Again, needs, you need to ask another question because in this passage it says, be anxious for nothing. And, and so... Uh, and so one of the things we need to, to look at, because the word is the same usage there uh, in, in Philippians, uh, and, and then I just want to say this, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, 
do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or whatever or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? You see, this anxiousness, this anxiety that, that concerns us every day about what, what we will eat or what we will wear or, or whatever, um, Paul is speaking uh, to the Philippians of an anxiousness that is different than that. It is a concern that God might be glorified. And that is, that is something that you and I ought to be anxious for. We want to be anxious that God might be glorified. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, it says, And apart from these other things, there is daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches that God would be lifted up by people who are of proven worth. Again, the question, the challenge to you from this passage as we work through this, this whole perspective of, of Philippians and the idea is joy in everything. Do you exhibit proven worth as a faithful friend? You know, there is a, there's a song that I grew up with, and I'm not going to sing it to you, but uh, uh, I'm just going to read the words. Uh, and it reminds me of my place in the body of Christ. And it's called Jesus and Others and You. And it goes like this, Jesus, others, and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus, others, and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. J is for Jesus because he takes first place. O is for others. You meet face to face. Y is for you in whatever you do. Put yourself last and spell joy. That is the challenge of this passage. That is the challenge of this passage. It doesn't make sense when you're reading all these things about what is a life that is proven worthy, walking in a manner. Paul demonstrates two people that are walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, and he calls you and I to do so ourselves. Jesus, others, and you. Let's pray. Father, Help us to be friends of proven worth so that, your might, so that you might be glorified and exalted. Lord, thank you for friends such as these who, are genuinely, who genuinely care for us and point us to Christ. Thank you for friends who risk their lives for our sake. Thank you for Jesus Christ who did all these things for us and became our Savior. Thank you that you now call us friends. God, we just want to say thank you that we, as part of the body of Christ, are now called by you friends. Lord, that we are not just servants, but we are your friends. Lord, we just ask, <clears throat> Lord, that you would help us to exhibit proven worth as faithful friends. I thank you for this this church body. Lord, thank you for the proven worth of friends here in this church. Lord, of service that has been given. Lord, for the sake of others and for the sake of you.
Lord, for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you might be lifted up and glorified. God, I just want to say thank you for these folks, my friends, Lord, and their love for you and their compassion for you. Lord, their willingness to serve for you. God, we ask that you would bless this church. Bless this body, Lord Jesus. God, we ask that you would motivate us to be uh, like Timothy and Epaphroditus. Men of proven worth. And Lord, we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen.